0: So I don't know what was going through Mary's mind, and likely you don't know what was going through Mary's mind either, when an angel appears to her, this young woman, and an angel appears to her. What we do know is every time an angel showed up in the Bible, people got really worried. Now angels, of course, are good, and they obey God and uh, and all of that, and so there's nothing uh, worrisome, but nonetheless, they're glorious, and they strike intimidation and, and in fact, fear. So, an angel shows up to Mary. Uh, we're not sure when. Uh, was it noon? Was it at lunch? Uh, was it while she was doing chores or while she was sitting on the porch? We have no idea. But an angel shows up, nonetheless. And, and the angel says to Mary, Hey, Mary, don't, don't fear. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Everything's fine. And she conveys to Mary that she is going to have a baby. And this baby in her is going to be the Son of God, a child in her from God Himself. And this was troubling to Mary. As you could expect, Mary was engaged. She was pledged to be married, and yet the marriage date had not yet come and gone. She was a single woman, and uh, to have a baby uh, would be a little bit scandalous, you would imagine. But nonetheless, the, the shepherd conveys to Mary that she is going to have a child, and he is going to be called Jesus. And he will sit on the throne of his father, David, and he will rule over the house of Israel. And, and Mary, I, could you, I mean, her mind must have just been swirling. I don't know how old Mary was, but she obviously was not real old. And so her mind is just swirling, okay, I'm not even married, I'm about to have a baby, he's going to be the king of Israel, uh, and he's going to be the son of God. And I don't know what you would say. I don't know what I would say. Being a man, I would say a lot of things. <laughs> but I have no idea what, but she said something that I think we, we should mark. Whatever her age and spiritual maturity, we have no idea what the condition of Mary. We do know that God considered her highly favored, as spiritual as you might think Mary was. She still was not spiritual enough to deserve to carry this child. She still was a fallen human. And she says this, May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. I don't deserve it, but may it be to me as you have said. And so an angel appears to Mary and she submits and says, I obey. I don't know what you're up to, God. This is weird. If I were to bring the king of the universe to invade humankind, I probably would choose a different situation than mine. May it be to me as you have said. Now, the man she was engaged to, Joseph. I don't know if Mary told him right away what the angel had told him. We're not really told because, in when we read about Joseph, it says uh, some time went by and Mary was found to be with child. Mary was found to be with child. Not Mary published a birth announcement or a soon-to-be birth announcement. Mary was found to be with child. Usually it starts with this. You see Mary? You see Mary? And Joseph saw Mary. He's probably with her relatively often. And he found her to be with child. They weren't married. And a man who was pledged to be married to her, that bothered him. And he determined in his own heart and mind that he'd divorce her quietly so that she wouldn't be more disgraced than she already was going to be. And so he goes to bed. And he, in his sleep, an angel appears to him. In his sleep, an angel appears to him, and an angel says to Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife, because the child in her is from God. The child that she carries is not from a a relationship she had besides you. The child that is in her is from God, and, and Joseph in particular, we want you to give him a name we want you as his adopted father to name him and we want his name to be Jesus because he is going to save the world from their sins so Joseph we don't want you to just merely put up with Mary we want you to take her as your wife and take her son as your own son and be the one who provides him the name a name that will convey to all of generations that he is here to save people from their sins Joseph woke up from that dream you ever had one of those dreams that are really, really, really real, but then you start to question: Was that real? Is that real? I was dreaming. I was eating marshmallows, and I can't find my pillow. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm certain he was like all of us, and that was that wasn't real. That was that was, but we know. He knew God was communicating with him. He knew that because the Bible says he took Mary home as his wife. They did not come together as husband and wife, though, until the child was born. So Joseph and Mary, visited by angels, did not fear but submitted themselves in obedience. So Mary and Joseph, like any good couple who are following the Lord, that God has called us to a hard assignment, but we're going to obey him. Stiff upper lip and all that, right? We're going to do a good job. And since we're following God in obedience, he's going to pour out his blessing and kindness. And, and life will be easy, like skipping through the tulips. Isn't that what it's like to follow God? It wasn't like that for Mary and Joseph either. I don't know what it was like when they got the net letter from the IRS in the mail. It said, hey, the IRS wants you to travel to Bethlehem. To register to make sure we get all the taxes we know you owe us. So Joseph was going through the mail looking for the card that says we can defer this trip until after the baby is born. Certainly, right God? Now that's not how Caesar works. You will show up. You will register. I don't care if you got 20 babies or, or triplets in your belly. It doesn't matter. You get on a camel, you get to Bethlehem. If Mary and Joseph were like most of us, I'm sure they had some interesting prayer times. Now seriously, God... You called us the number, first to carry a baby that you should, do you know what kind of looks we're getting at the grocery store, God? I mean, have you seen those people judging us? And now this, God? Now, I know none of us have ever had those kinds of thoughts. I know all of us have had those kinds of thoughts. And Mary and Joseph load up and travel the long journey from Nazareth, which is way up by the Sea of Galilee, all the way down through Jerusalem, To Bethlehem, which is south of Jerusalem, a long trip by car, much longer on a donkey with meager provisions. The journey to Bethlehem, they they walk all the way down there, and they get there, and they register. And what's interesting about uh, the difference we see in this account between Caesar and Jesus, this is what Caesar would say. Caesar is ruler of the world, isn't he? Caesar says, come, Come to your town and register because I am powerful and I can make you. And all the people, they go because they have no choice. But Jesus, king of the universe, says, I come because you are weak. And and he had a choice. Whereas the people were forced to go to Bethlehem with no choice, Jesus came to earth and he had the choice not to. He did not impose his power on us he set it aside in light of our weakness and instead of obligating us into obedience he says i choose of my own choosing in love and mercy to come to you caesar and jesus in this story show us the difference between power and love so they go they find a place to stay which smelled of animals and they laid him in a manger And then off on a hillside, not too far from town, there were some shepherds who were keeping sheep at night, which is what shepherds do. They keep sheep, both day and night. But in this case, they were at night. And an angel appears to them. And an angel appears to the shepherds and tells them, Go and see. A child has been born. He is wrapped in cloths. He is laying in a manger. He is Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. The one who has come to save his people. And the shepherds. Having encountered another angel, heard now an entire chorus of angels saying, Glory to God in the highest. He has come. That would have been really cool to be there, wouldn't it? I don't know what a bunch of choirs, uh, angels sound like singing, but I bet you it's pretty awesome. I bet you you can feel the joy in your veins as they're singing. And those shepherds encountered that, and as soon as the angels exited stage left back to heaven the shepherd says oh we're going to find this baby who's going to watch the sheep who cares he has been born the sheep can fend for themselves the child has been born let's go and see this thing And so they go and they find the baby and they find Mary and they find Joseph and they encounter Christ the child and immediately they discover everything was exactly the way that the angels had told them. Not that they doubted the angels. Of course they doubted the angels. They're shepherds. Have you ever met a shepherd? There were doubters. Have you ever had something that you knew God wanted you to do? Then you got into the middle of it and said, now, really? I'm not sure. Shepherds would have been the same way. So they got there, and they saw the baby, and they saw Mary, and they saw Joseph, and they said, everything is precisely as it's been done. Let's go back to our field and journal about this. I don't know if you know the story, but that's wrong. I want to make sure you're still with me. Let's go back and write down this spiritual encounter so that in future years I'll be able to go back and remember the high spiritual excitement I had in that day. No, what did they do? They didn't get five steps out of that house, the first person they caught, and they said, you will not believe what just happened. Angels showed up, told us about a baby, go in there, you'll see the baby. No, go see. No four spiritual laws tracked. They just told people to go look at a baby. I don't know what Mary did when strangers start walking in. A bunch of shepherds told me, come look at your baby. And Mary and Joseph, Savior of the world, he's here. The Messiah has come. And the shepherds spread the news, the joyful news, that they had found a Savior. God had seen fit to make known the arrival of Christ the Messiah to a group of shepherds, and their excitement had, having been lifted up from the lowest of, of the society into now into the heavens, and they could not help but j- tell the world, he has come. He is here the first evangelists upon the arrival of Christ. Sometime later, maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe two years later, these magi show up at their home. These guys have traveled further than Mary and Joseph have traveled, simply following a star, a revelation they had, something from the Word, maybe a, a... God had made known to them both through their study of astronomy as well as uh, perhaps some fragments of the Old Testament. And they travel across land and sea to see this baby. But they are not coming to find the Savior. What are they coming? They're coming to find the king of the Jews. And they come with gifts that a king deserves they come and worship him and pay homage to him because he is not merely a child he is king of the Jews and if rightly understood that means he is king of the universe and what an opportunity to be the ones to bring homage to the king of the universe before any other dignitaries have and frankly no other dignitaries would having stepped out the bible says they worshiped him the birth of jesus this is what happens You can read about the rest of his life in the Gospels. This is where we're going to end our story. But I have a question for you this morning as a way of thinking about this. This is what happened. This is a story you're familiar with. A history that uh, happened a long time ago, but nonetheless the details of which we have been taught over time. The question I would have is why did this happen? I mean, why this this way in particular? I, I mean, Jesus being creator of the universe really could make his entrance any way he wanted couldn't he he could have ripped open a a window in the heavens and dropped in with all his angelic host and said i am in the house worship me why this way in particular well let me give you an idea this is a silly way of thinking about it but it turns out i'm kind of silly some kindergartners have the great privilege when they're a kindergartner to go visit a fire station during their kindergarten year. Raise your hand if this happened to you, because then I'm going to find out. Some people in kindergarten, okay, great students probably, okay. If you're a dad, you get lucky because you get to go with your kids and pretend like you're there watching the kids. So the kindergarten, and, and they do all kinds of, they walk through the fire trucks, and uh, you know, they'll blow the whistle, and they get a cool little plastic fireman's hat, and, and, and the fireman will help them hold the hose. They get to actually hold the fire hose and blow some water out, and, and uh, get to walk all around the, uh, the fire station, and, but really the culmination of the visit, they get all the kids into the fire station, they all sit down, and they, they talk about fire safety, do you have a plan? Uh, and as parents, you know when your kids have done this, because they come home, we don't have a plan, we're all going to die. Okay, let's get a plan. They all sit around, go through fire safety, and all these sort of thing. But then, all of a sudden, a fireman comes out, and this is the funnest part, or most fun, the coolest part. So he comes out, and he puts on all the gear. I know there's names for all the gear. I don't know what the gear is, but puts on the pants with fancy suspenders, puts on the big coat, buttons it all up, puts on the the air thing on the back the big hat and, and as you put in the, he's putting all these to explain to all the kids what all of these things are for this protection from the heat and the smoke and to provide air puts on the mask puts on the and he gets him fully uh dressed up as a fireman and then what does he do he gets down on the ground on his hands and knees and walks all among those kids breathing sound like darth vader you know how that sounds and kids are looking they they get to touch him and feel the mask and he talks to them, makes little jokes and why do they do that why do do they do these with with kindergartners well the reason is they have discovered I think is is when there's something bad happening in the home and there's a fire and the fireman shows up they want the kindergartners to know what help looks like because wouldn't it be scary as a little kid in the midst of a scary situation in your home and then Darth Vader walks through the door But they want to get, this is what help looks like. He's got a mask and a hat and a coat. And and when you see this, this is what help looks like. And they tell a story of the firemen so they know when this shows up, this is help. Help is there. So we look at the story of Jesus and say, what does help look like? Because this story, this history of Jesus coming was intended to tell us something about what our help looks like. And I just want to make three or four observations as we close. We look at Mary and the the visit of the angel and the baby in her arms, and we see the humility and helplessness of our condition. And our helper, Jesus, comes not as the conquering king, but he comes as the helpless baby because we are helpless, and our help comes in kind to us. We need a substitute that is like us. We need a substitute who can engage in our life and do our life right for once and die the right kind of death we need one to come like us but not be wrong like us and so our help comes in a helpless form because that's the way we are and he comes empowered by God to accomplish his purpose what we need somebody who can help us and understand our state if you're sitting in a fire and a fireman walks in and uh, he says I'm ready to get you out. Hop on my back, I'll, I'll get you out. And we say, you know what? I think I'm okay. I think it's gonna die down in a minute. I really do. I, I, think, I think, you know what you could do is just sort of get me over the hump in terms of, just sort of get the fire knocked down as much as you can. I'll make up the rest. But see, that's not the situation we're in. We don't need just help to get to the end. We're helpless. Without them, we're toast. That pun was unintended, but it was decent. (laughs) What else does our help look like? We look at Joseph, and he was called to name him Jesus because we needed a Savior from our sins. We didn't need an inspirational message bringer who will teach us to live our best life or ten steps to a happy marriage or a successful job. We needed somebody to save us from our sins that killed us. When you're sitting in a fire and a fireman walks in, I'm ready to help you. You Say, you know what? I'm actually a football fan. Could you send in a, a football player? I think that's what I would. I think I would be inspired to survive this fire if an NFL football player came in and told me a story I could enjoy. What? No, you need a fireman. We need a Savior from our sins. We don't need a Savior merely from the difficulties of life. We don't need a Savior from trials and tribulations, although he helps us in all of those things. We need a Savior to bring us back to life because we're dead. This is what our Savior looks like. We saw on their journey that a a relationship with Jesus changes everything. He doesn't want to just save us in our spot. He wants to take us to a new place. When a fireman comes to get us, we don't just tell him, hey, why don't you just put the fire out and I'll stay in this burned-down house. He wants to take us out of there to a good place, a better place, a whole place. And encountering Jesus, he's that Savior. He takes us not to make our, our, our spot better. He says, I want to take you to a whole other place, a place of meaningful life in me and relationship in me where the sins of your past remain in your past. And my forgiveness and wholeness is a future that you could not have written on your own. Sometimes we want Jesus to just merely take our current life and make it a little better. And Jesus says, no, I want to help you die to that life and have a whole other life you could not have imagined. It's not going to be easy, but it will be the life you can have in me. In the shepherds, we see what kind of of help do we have. In the shepherds, we see that, that Jesus comes for those who need him. Jesus comes for those who understand and perceive their need for him. The fireman walks into the room, and we're laying in our bed reading our book, and he says, listen, I need to get you out of the house. And we say, no, I have a cup of water on my reading table. I save it just for this kind of occasion. I think I can handle the fire on my own. When the fire gets close, I'll toss this cup of water on it. Jesus comes for those who need him. The shepherds understood they couldn't toss a cup of religion on their situation and make it whole. They needed a Jesus, and they needed him bad because they were not okay. Jesus comes for those who need him. That's the kind of help that we get. And the magi show us that Jesus is king. That Jesus is not merely someone hoping to garner our affection. That Jesus is not somehow in need of us. Jesus is king of the universe. Jesus comes and he is in in humility provides for all that we need. But at the same time he is still the king who sits on the throne. Jesus comes to save us from our sin. Jesus comes to provide us new life, but as king, he provides us something even beyond that. He says, I want to give you a place in my family with my father forever. So Jesus lives his life perfectly. Every step, every moment, he does everything God has asked him to do at precisely the moment God asked him to do it, up to and including his death on the cross, where he paid for all of our sin, and he was raised from the dead by the power of God that he might bring to us eternal life. And he says, listen, in my life I came to save you. In your helplessness, from your sin, I want to change everything in your life. And I want to come for those who know, of, know and perceive their need of salvation. And I want you to join my family forever. Won't you join my family forever, he would say. Jesus comes to save What happened? Jesus was born in precisely the right way to show us precisely the kind of salvation we needed because we were helpless and we needed him. And I hope all of us today can acknowledge and agree together. We want to be in his family forever. Amen? We want to be in his family forever. He provides us so much more than just forgiveness, than merely forgiveness. He provides us an inheritance and a father. Won't you join his family? Why not this Christmas? I, I, don't know, I don't know what you find so exciting about your current life that you say, well, no, I don't want to leave it behind. I mean, you know, everything we can do in this world at some point gets dull. You know? At some point it gets dull. When I was a kid, I went bowling on my birthday every year. I never thought bowling would get dull. As it turns out, bowling can get dull. Everything, literally anything you might imagine is the most exciting and powerful moment in your life in this place, at some point will get boring. Because the eternal weight of your soul cannot be borne by anything on this planet. The only one who can lift up the weight of your soul is Christ himself. Dear Jesus, we want to thank you for coming and blessing us with new life. God, I would pray especially for any here today that this Christmas, that they know in their heart, maybe they've never told anyone, but they know in their heart, I have never put my faith in Christ. I pray in this moment they would receive that gift, that they would trust you and say, Jesus, save me. I need your forgiveness. And God, for for those of us who have been walking with you, rather for a short time or a long time, we get into our heads like Mary and Joseph did, that we're we're following you, so therefore everything's going to be easy-peasy. And the fact is that's not necessarily the case. You're going to call us to go on a journey And that journey may be full of hardship and difficulty, but it is the only journey we can take that is with you. We pray that you would fill our hearts with the hope and joy that come from knowing we can walk with you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you give us the joy in this place, in this culture, to celebrate that so profoundly and publicly. We pray that you would fill our hearts with joy as we celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.